0: Hey, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Are you ready to talk about Jurassic Park? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies.
1: Did you enjoy your PTO? It seemed like you had a really long nap.
0: Took a two and a half hour nap, and I... (laughs) I bought, (laughs) I bought this fan, this like massive, like industrial, like fan, because I (laughs) love them and it's super loud, which is great because I love fans when I'm sleeping and I stuck it in the window, um, and like laid on the couch and it was like super cold in the room. And so I just like passed right out and it was, it was,
1: it was really wonderful actually. It was a really nice sleep. Yeah. That sounds like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and then I
0: had that weird dream.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You sent it to me, but I wasn't able to listen because I was, uh, getting ready to getting ready to, like after my shower and everything. So I don't know it, what your dream was about. I have no idea. It was not something I want to share on here. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It was a little, uh,
1: risky. Oh, <laughs> violent. violent oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, but um no, not risque. That would have been nicer, but sadly it was um at least there were no T Rexes in the stream.
1: That is uh that is a bonus.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean <laughs> we'll get all into that once we start discussing, but
1: anyway, how was your night last night? It was pretty good. I I had to get a couple things. So I went to the store after work and then I got home and realized that I like didn't have one of my bags. And so I had, I had to like, I had this internal debate cause I was like, I don't want to go back to the store for my bag. Maybe I could just go tomorrow morning, but I knew future Samantha would be just as unreasonable. So I got in the car. Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, you forgot a bag like full of stuff?
1: Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Like I paid for it. It was on the receipt. I just didn't have the bag with it in there. And so, and the store is only like, here's the thing. The store is like, it was Target. So it's like seven minutes away from my house. The closest grocery store. So it's, the inconvenience is purely time. Like I had (laughs) things that I, I wanted to come home and I wanted to work out. And then I wanted to eat dinner while I watched Smackdown and just sort of decompress. And right. then I was like I could just work out and then go to the store because the thing is if I I generally like taking walks. Like I really like taking walks. That's not difficult for me to to do, but working out lately because uh, uh like everything is shut down so I can't go to the pool or anything. So I'm trying to find other ways to tone Mm -hmm. and so working out lately has involved more than walking and so that takes uh, some mental convincing and I have to do it when I want to do it because otherwise I won't do it yeah I get that so I, I do this thing where I like cheerlead myself all day and I'll like psych myself up for it and I'll be like yeah tonight I'm gonna get home I'm gonna work out and then I'm gonna eat dinner and watch Smackdown and then watch Jurassic Park it's gonna be great and so by the time I get home, I'm like ready. I'm, I'm ready. Like I'm excited. I'm going to do it. Right. So just like having to go back to Target really <laughs> put a wrench in my plans. But I did it. So I got to Target. They couldn't find anything. But there was a woman in the checkout line behind me. So my assumption is maybe she got my bag. And she oh, probably got yeah. home and was like, I didn't buy this stuff. And, but they were cool about it. They let me, you know, like, you know, get the stuff still. Right, right. And, and then I got home and I still did it. So I'm proud of myself and then I ate dinner and watched Smackdown and watched Jurassic Park so everything happened it just happened like <laughs> half an hour later than my initial plan so no
0: I get that though when you're like you're like okay great it's 7 30 I'm all ready and then you're like motherfucker, I have to do another thing that's gonna take me till eight and I didn't want to do this and like because I like I woke up at like nine or something so I was like I was out like a light and I had kind of planned on like actually I didn't really have plans that night I just had a plan to watch the movie but um but like I ate dinner and I I watched it a little bit and then I just like was lying on my couch and I don't know what it is about this movie even though I've seen it easily more than a dozen times and I was texting you about it Is that, like, I'm watching it like it's the first fucking time I've ever seen this movie. Like, I was like, what's going to happen next?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I totally agree with you. Because, honestly, early in the week, I was, like, in a weird way, kind of thinking, like, do I even have to watch the movie? But I I always force myself to watch the movie because I want to make sure I'm at the top of my game. But I was thinking, I've seen this movie so many times. It's kind of like... When I'm being forced to watch it, I was kind of like dragging my feet. Like, I don't really need to watch it. I've talked about this movie for 20 years, 30 years. I don't know. You know what I mean? Right. And then the same thing happened. I started it and you texted me and said, it's interesting watching this movie with a critic's eye. And I know exactly what you mean because I started watching it. And not only did it pull me in because it's just a good movie. But it pulled me in because I was watching it with a slightly different, like, I flipped a different switch as I was watching it. And it was, yeah, I agree. And even if I hadn't flipped that critic switch, it still would have pulled me in. Because it's so good. It's such a good movie.
0: It's like, it's, I mean, it's like almost 30 years old. And it's, it's just as good as the first time I saw it. You Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. It's an incredible film. It's so fun.
1: And it's. It's so, so lively.
0: too.
1: It, yeah. It's timeless as well, yeah. which is really, really hard to do. I mean, there's yes. some computer stuff in it that makes me laugh now, but it's not enough to be bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. No,
0: like so, even, even like the CGI is like still like, it's not, it's really not bad. I mean, yeah, no, yeah. I agree. Yeah. 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 But anyway, so Do you want to talk about um, the mini topic we were going to kind of do or whatever? Oh, yeah. So I bought the movie um, Jungle Book, the Rudyard Kipling one, as I've told you, on eBay. You know, and it was like the first time I had seen it since I was a kid. And um, I... Like I was, I put it in the DVD player because I was like, I'm going to watch this movie. It's the first time I've seen this. So I kind of had like a Sam Neill marathon a little bit going on this week. Um, Who did he play? He played the dad of Lena Headey, So he was a good guy. And I, in my <clears throat> memory, I didn't remember him being that good of a guy, but he was actually a good guy. So it came out in 94. So it came out a year after Jurassic Park. And I started watching and I put in the DVD player and everything. And um, it was like, it was like, I remembered most of the movie, which I was very surprised. But like, I didn't remember like beforehand what had happened. But as I was watching the movie, I was like, oh yeah, okay, this part. And I remembered this part. And it was pretty good. Except for the dialogue was really clunky. Like some of the things I was like, okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Where like it was it was like this like an example of it and I can't think of anything like from the movie but an example of it is actually one of the scenes so Carrie Yulwes is in it or Carrie Yulwes or whatever however you pronounce his name and he um he's like he says something like y- "You're gonna die at the end of this trip, or whatever," and then Mowgli goes like, "Well, we'll see who's gonna die." And I was just like, "Okay," <laughs> you know, like the writing was a little—it was like early Disney, and um, I don't know. It was—it it was definitely worth, I think, buying. You know, so yeah, and now-, now nobody can take it off streaming before yeah. you get to watch it now I have the DVD. And I texted my sister and I sent her the link to the IMDb page. And I was like, do you remember this movie? And she's like, oh my God, yes. And I was like, I bought the DVD. And let me see. Her response is really cute. And I was really surprised at her response because I thought that she was like, going to be like, oh, that's cool. But she, let's see. So she says, she was like, Oh no. She's just like, oh my God. Yes. Cause I, I said that I bought it. So I guess it's not that cute, but like in my mind, it was kind of adorable because, um, cause I was so excited about having it and she's like, oh yeah, I remember that movie. And she's like, oh, and you bought it too. Like that's cool. So it was like very affirmative of what I did, but yeah.
1: So yeah, I'm glad it it held up. Sometimes, sometimes things like that do not hold up.
0: Yeah. Like the only, Other than the clunky dialogue, the only, like, big issue I had is that they, I think they were trying to make Mowgli Indian, and the actor that played him was certainly not Indian. (laughs) Like, he was definitely not. He's, like, Hawaiian and Chinese. So, um, I mean, it's, which is fine, but just don't, just don't have him be Indian. You know what I mean? It's like, he could maybe pass as, like, maybe Middle Eastern, but that's even, like, kind of, pushing it a little bit so i don't know i thought that was kind of weird that they did that and they were like oh yeah he's an indian guy and i was like but he doesn't look like he's an indian you know yeah yeah That's- like like there's you you're talking about i'm and i'm talking about like from india not native american um i know you to- t- i know what you're talking about <laughs> i know but like i feel like i need to specify that but um you I mean it, it, you know indian people have a certain look and as do Chinese people as do Hawaiian people like it's like it's not like it's not like you it's whatever I mean I guess at least they didn't like cast a white guy so
1: like Johnny Depp or something
0: (laughs) yeah yeah. they're like they're like Johnny Depp is Mowgli and he's like hello I'm Mowgli and I'm like get (laughs) off
1: the screen Johnny you're ruining (laughs) my childhood (laughs) so Wrestlemania was last weekend and (laughs) they had like a pirate theme and they did something really bonkers, which I think they might have done last year too, because last year was like WrestleMania during the the first part of the pandemic. And they had this weird interlude where the person introducing it was interrupted by like a Jack Sparrow wannabe. Okay. And that's such an outdated reference to me that I couldn't believe that they did it. And I believe they did it two years in a row. And I thought that that was so strange. Because when did Pirates of the Caribbean come out? Like 2003? I I think it was like 2008,
0: I want to say.
1: Oh, maybe, yeah.
0: I'm going to look it up. 2003. Yeah, you're right. So, I don't know. I... My god, I can't believe that movie's almost 20 years old. <laughs> That's crazy.
1: I just thought did it was you, a really weird reference. Did like, you like that movie? Not particular. I think they're pretty boring. I mean, I rode the wave of like excitement seeing it with my friends, but I never I went for the social aspect more than the movie. I never really cared for the movie. I honestly, I've talked about this before on the podcast. I think they're very boring. Oh. And I, I know that a lot of people are pretty enamored with Jack Sparrow, but he, I, could, I couldn't really care less about him. Um, I don't care for the movies. I think the, the score is really cool, and I think that some of the visual effects are really cool. But I never wanted to own them. I never wanted to watch them multiple times. Just not, not my thing. Not your thing?
0: Yeah. I, um, I like the first one a lot. And I think the rest are garbage. <laughs> I think the first one has, I think Jack Sparrow is a really interesting character in the first one. I think he's, they, they make him like super intelligent. And then in the, the rest, they just make him like this idiot. And I was like, why aren't you following along with the lore that you already created? You know what I mean? Plus all of them were so... I don't know just like uh, I don't know I saw this one that was with um oh god what's her name it was with Brenton Thwaites and Kaya Scodelario and it was it was so cheesy and so stupid and like and like Barbosa apparently had like a kid or whatever and he's like He's like, the thing is, you're my greatest treasure. And you're just like, what is this writing? And then they find like this island that's like made of gems or something. And th- just the whole, like the whole movie was just so disjointed. It was like the fever dream of someone who just had like a major like LSD trip. Like it was just so bizarre and badly written and terrible. So
1: yeah, I think that that's. Part of the reason that I don't like the pirate that I don't care for the Pirates of the Caribbean is because it's so obviously a cash cow. And I could put, I could lump in Jurassic, the Jurassic Park franchise with this as well, where it's like you, you can put a sticker on something shitty. But as long as it says Pirates of the Caribbean, people will spend money to go see it. Well, wait, wait, you mean like the
0: other, you mean like the other movies other than Jurassic Park?
1: Yeah, no, I like Jurassic Park. I'm just saying, like, the last Jurassic Park movie, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom or whatever, is awful. It's so stupid. Yeah, it did. I never saw it because it didn't look very good. Jurassic World, the first one with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, was pretty fun. Um, it was kind of like a reawakening <laughs> of the franchise. I've And I one kind either. of thought it was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Not great. I mean, no. it was good. It was good and it was fun. And I thought, you know, for somebody who's just using the Jurassic Park title to make money, this actually is was worthwhile to, for me to see. And right. so that's why I went and saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. But that just falls back in the category of we can just do anything we want and put Jurassic World or Park in, on it and people will pay money to see it. Right, And so I think Pirates of the Caribbean is that way as well. And um, the difference being that I think the Jurassic movies, not including Fallen Kingdom, still have aspects of kind of like being fun, even though they're not great. Um, yeah. They're just cash. Co- Basically, it's just like cash cows.
0: <clears throat> Did you they ever see just- Lost World or Jurassic Park 3?
1: Um, yes, I saw Lost World. I recently saw Jurassic Park 3 like casually it was on TV and I watched it with Mike and I don't remember seeing it ever, but if I, if I did see it, it is wiped from my memory and I'm almost thinking maybe I didn't see it because I think I probably had, when it came out, I probably was kind of thinking like, is it going to be good? Cause I don't think they're that great. Like the subsequent films are not that great. I think the first one is, Should have stood alone. Right. But that's not the way movies work. You know, like the industry doesn't work that way. If something makes a lot of money, they just keep churning them out. And so in my mind, I don't think any of the sequels are necessary, but they can still be slightly fun. I just probably wouldn't watch them as often. I don't watch them as often as I watch Jurassic Park. So
0: yeah, same here. I've seen... I didn't really like The Lost World, and the reason I didn't really like it is because Julianne Moore has, like, just this total disregard for, like, everyone's safety. Like, they're like, get in the car because there's fucking dinosaurs out there that can eat you. And she's like, no, just wait a minute. Just wait a minute. I just have to do this one thing. And it's like, you have a kid, and you have you know, this whole group of people that's relying on you and you're putting them in danger. I'm not like the biggest Julianne Moore fan I've, I've come to. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I dislike her. I would just say that. And I don't like have a big problem watching her movies, but I would find that in a lot of her films, I don't particularly like her character. So I don't think it's necessarily, I don't think it's necessarily her. I think it's, the, the character she plays, you know what I mean? And um, I did like Jurassic Park 3 a little bit more, especially with the whole, like, when they're in that boat and they're, like, drowning and that was really scary, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But um, no, I mean, I, Jurassic Park is, is certainly, like, far superior to anything else. And I really didn't think Jurassic World was that great, honestly. I thought that, like, Jurassic Park is from... 1993 and it was less sexist than this than Jurassic World was and I was like okay <laughs> you know like I guess we've just taken a giant step back in how we treat women in movies that's fine that's cool that's whatever you what know? happened that was sexist it, it was like I, I don't know I thought that the way that the female character was portrayed was just like she wasn't as cool and as awesome as like Ellie was you know like she was just kind of like a little bit more, like, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it now because it's been so long, but there was something about about it that the, like, the way it was done that, like, it got on my nerves. It felt like it wasn't as forward-thinking as the original one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, they made her, like, a weaker character, and I didn't think that they needed to. And also, there was, like, just... You know, like, Chris Pratt was just Chris Pratting it up. Like, he's just, like, you know, it's just, like, like, (laughs) stop including him in movies because you're ruining my experience of them. (laughs) Anyway, so, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Fallen
0: Kingdom was garbage. I have no doubts about that. That's exactly why I didn't see it. I was like, no thanks.
1: So, yeah, so, I mean, just, like, I, I guess just to clarify... I think the Jurassic Park franchise is more fun and still watchable overall over Pirates of the Caribbean, but I bo- I think that they both turned into just, like, let's just make money. Like, the, you know, like, the production company's like, you know, we kind of want to build a new studio somewhere, so let's make a movie so people pay us so we can build a new studio. Like, one time on... Yeah. I think it was a VH1 behind the music or it wasn't behind the music. It was maybe, it was just like a, it might've been, I love the nineties or I love the eighties, which was like a really fun VH1 show back in the day. Yeah. I used to watch it too. (laughs) Weird Al was talking and and I think he was talking about Amish paradise. I'm not sure. Uh I can't recall the exact song, but he had a talking head and he said, yeah, well, I made Amish Paradise because I wanted to buy a house and it worked. And he's probably partially joking, like, because he's Weird Al and he's very clever. Right. But I also think, like, it's a, you know, there's probably more than a shred of truth in that, you know? Yeah. And and I think that that's, that's what I think about when I see movies like this, where they're just like, look, right now we just need... A, we have a cash flow problem. So what can we do? Well, let's just make another Pirates of the Caribbean movie. It will take at least two weekends before people realize it's not worth seeing. And by then we'll have made millions of dollars, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so, probably true. They're like, oh yeah. Hey, we made back what we spent on this and a little bit more. So success. You make more movie. What is it? You make more money with a flop than a hit. <laughs> like so, in um the producers did you ever see the producers I didn't no I'm so surprised I think you would like that I think it's funny
1: yeah I probably would like it it's
0: just sort of eluded me you know you have it if you ever want to watch it I haven't seen the original but I've I've seen the Nathan Lane and um Matthew Broderick one like a million times that I think Nathan Lane is really really funny um and I think I think you would like it. It is a musical, but I think that you would like it
1: because it's very clever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm interested. Someday I'll watch it, I think. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So
0: anyway, uh, do you want to talk about the movie? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So we had talked about this a little while ago, and I thought that I should bring it up. Um, we talked about. I think I was watching it like a couple months ago or something. I was watching Jurassic Park because it was on Netflix for a hot minute, and then I had to rent it on Amazon, which is I'm assuming what you had to do too. Yeah. So I'm like, I was looking at like, I looked at Netflix, I looked at Hulu, I looked at Disney Plus. Like I was like, I was like, I don't want to have to pay for this movie that I've seen 1,400 times. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then I, I was like, I guess I'm gonna have to because. It was, it was the same thing. I had the same issue where I was like, do I really need to watch this movie? But I was like, you absolutely do. You have to watch this movie. So, um, which of course I enjoy just as much as I always do. So it was, you know, whatever. But, um, so we had talked about how, um, we talked about the relationship between Dr. Grand and and Ellie, Dr. Sattler. Right, so Laura Dern and Samuel's character, and you had mentioned—I don't know if you remember this—you had mentioned that you thought that they were in a relationship. So, what do you think now that you've rewatched this movie under a critic's eye?
1: Yeah, they're in a relationship. The whole movie, the the movie is just a vehicle for her trying to convince him to have a child with her. Like okay, that's so the, I... that's the moral of the story. Is Dr. Grant <laughs> coming to terms with the fact that Ellie wants a kid? And he's going to have to get on board, like, shape up or ship out. And, um, yeah, I think they're in a relationship. I think they're in a long relationship. Like, I think they've been together for a long time. They're comfortable around each other in a good way. Right. And they, you know, I think that they're together. So, I don't think so. I don't think they're in a romantic
0: relationship at all. And I have reasons why, which is <laughs> so... Uh, first of all, I think that they have worked together for a long time. So they've been around each other for a long time. So obviously they have a rapport. Um, and I think that their relationship is more like work husband and work wife rather than actually being in a romantic relationship. Because first of all, you never see them kiss, which I think would be something that they would show in a movie like that, especially like after she like runs and she finds him alive, you know, or whatever. And I think that in this situation where they were in the car and they were with, and, and Ian Malcolm is talking to them and he says something like, is Dr. Sadler like, is she single or whatever? And, and Dr. Grant's, and he goes, are you two like dating? And he goes, yeah, we're, like yeah we're dating but to me it didn't seem like he was saying that because they were actually dating it seemed like he was saying that because he was trying to um like to to spare her from Dr. Malcolm's advances
1: <laughs> because so he's the gatekeeper for her relationships in your world
0: I mean that I'm not saying he's the gatekeeper but I think that he didn't like Ian Malcolm and so he was it was kind of like he was like oh I don't want her to get involved with him because also Ian says that he's been married like a bunch of times and he's always looking for the next doctor, you know, Mrs. Ian Malcolm or whatever. I just, I don't think that they're in a relationship. I think that they have a very strong connection because they've been working together for so long, but I don't think that they're together. And she ends up married to someone else in the later films and with a kid. So um, I, I think it's, I just think it's interesting. Cause I, I like, I'm totally convinced that they're not, and you're convinced that they are. And I'm like, no, I refuse to see it differently. From,
1: <laughs> I think, um, I don't like taking other movies into account because I don't think when they, my opinion when they made this movie is that they did not write scripts for three movies. So whatever happened in subsequent movies was not according to whatever plan the screenwriters had for Jurassic Park. Right. Um, so just taking this movie into account, I'm not sure. I mean, Ellie has proved herself to be an independent and strong woman. So I don't think she needs Dr. Grant to protect her from Ian Malcolm. She's perfectly capable of doing that. And B, I don't know why she would care if he wanted kids so badly, if she wasn't in a relationship with him. Like she like, Smiled at them very warmly in the helicopter when he was like cuddling with the kids. And I, oh my
0: God, I
1: know. <laughs> I'm like, why would she care? Why would it even matter to her if he doesn't want, like, you don't want kids, and I don't spend my time trying to convince you to have kids.
0: Right. So I just Googled it, and it looks like they were in a romantic relationship.
1: I still don't think that they were, but I agree with you. I don't think you're wrong in saying that their mm-hmm. relationship is portrayed weirdly. I totally agree with you, but okay, yeah, yeah. it doesn't, it seems like to me, it's like they've been married, like not married, they're not married, but they've been the equivalent of married for let's say like 20 years. So they're just together. Like they're just, they just are, they don't, they're not. And they're also like scientists. So I, I like to think of them as being maybe a little bit more analytical and you know, they don't, they're not so emotion driven. And she did jump into his arms when she saw him, when the raptor was after him yeah, in a way true. that I just, I, I see your point. I don't agree with you, but I see why I, I think you're valid in having that view. I don't think okay. you're like totally off base. So okay. yeah. Well,
0: thank you. I appreciate it.
1: I think there's room for both theories, honestly.
0: So I wanted to ask you a question as I was
1: watching this movie.
0: Who is your favorite character?
1: Uh, I really like Muldoon a lot, but I like Ian Malcolm, of course. I mean, Ian Malcolm is is obviously the best character, but I do really like Muldoon.
0: <laughs> so I, as I, I always watching... have,
1: even as a kid, I like oh, yeah. Muldoon. No, he's, he's a
0: great, he's a great he character, very intelligent, um, I think that mine is Dr. Grant, actually. Yeah. And Ian Malcolm is a very, 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 very close second. He is like, they're pretty much, they're pretty much like equal to each other. I mean, I do have the Funko Pop of Dr. Ian Malcolm and my <laughs> that little wall of of figurine toys or whatever you want to call them. Um so, oh, did I tell you that I also got Freddie Mercury? No. I do. I cool. have Freddie Mercury now up there. Well, mustachioed Freddie Mercury. Um, so, but I really love the relationship that he has between the two kids. Like there's that one part where um, that one dude just like bails on them. Gennaro. And poor Lex, the entire movie, this little girl, I'm like, oh my God, my poor, like this poor child. Um, and he, he's like, yes, I know that he left you, but I'm not going to do that to you. And I just like, kind of like fell in love with him a little bit. You know what I mean? And I think I've always felt like that ever since I was a kid was that he's just got this like protective vibe over these children. And it was I I love him I love him you know and I think a big part of it is is his relationship with the kids and how protective he is over them but um yeah I mean of course I love Jeff Goldblum but <laughs> one of the things I wrote down about it about um about Malcolm is I always felt that Ian Malcolm was less Ian Malcolm and just a little more Jeff Goldblum <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I like his monologues. Mm-hmm. I like how smart he sounds. I like yeah. that he doesn't stand down under the, the scrutiny of, like, this very wealthy, eccentric park owner. He's not afraid of him. He's not afraid. To, and I like that none of them, are like, the three of them are not afraid to right. say, like, this is insanity. And I, I just really liked how he, when they were at dinner and he was saying something like...
0: Discoveries: the rape of Mother
1: Earth. That's not the line I was thinking of, but I just, I like how he was just like the lack of humility in front of nature is astounding or something. He says something yeah. like that. I, I may have misquoted slightly. And then he goes on to just talk about, I don't know. I just really, I really like it. And then I really like his monologue when he's doing like the water droplet test with Dr. Sattler in the car. And he's like you know, butterfly flaps its wings in Central Park, you get rain instead of sunshine. You know, and I, I like right, that right. whole thing. And and I just, I like that he's so confident in himself and smart. Like he has the brains to back it up. I don't know. It's, and also like, I do also enjoy the tidbits that you get about his personal life when he's like, oh yeah, I love kids. Anything that can happen will happen. And he just seems to be somebody who just gets like, genuine joy out of life events like yeah. like chaos obviously he's made it his life's work to study chaos but like chaos is enthralling to him like the adventure of like what could happen and i really like that as a like a character trait and i think that jeff goldblum does such a good job of it and i read on the wikipedia page that jim carrey auditioned for it as well and i think he probably could have done a good job but not, I don't think anybody could do it like Jeff Goldblum does it. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't,
0: I wouldn't have wanted Jim Carrey to play that role. I would have wanted Jeff Goldblum. One hundred. percent I mean,
1: I'm a, I'm, I'm a pretty mm-hmm. big fan of Jim Carrey, so I think he, he's pretty talented. Um, I don't think it, it would have been as good, but I think he could have. I think in a universe where we don't know about the Jeff Goldblum role, I think Jim Carrey would have been satisfying still for yeah, me. I,
0: for I me. Can, no, I could agree with that. I, I tend to like Jim Carrey's more serious roles, like the number 23 and stuff like that. Um, but I I don't really like his goofier stuff because he's like, it's, it's like a little too much. Although him and, and Jeff Goldblum were in a movie together. They were in Earth Girls Are Easy. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> they played <laughs> aliens. That movie is very cheesy, but it's Pretty cute. I really like. I like Ian Malcolm too. And I did you see that video? Did I send you that video like months and months ago where he's doing like the droplet test to like Sam Neil? Like it's like yeah.
1: mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Sam Neil is like, "What are you talking about? What are you talking about?" And then Laura Dern like shows up and she goes, "I know what he's doing." <laughs> <or> whatever, <laughs> for that video, yeah.
1: I you sent me that. That was pretty fun. It was kind of oh, like a fun nostalgic wait yeah. for them, the three of them to be together yeah because
0: yeah, it was like it happened like last year because it was because she was wearing a mask so you know it was like you could tell that it was like during the, the the uh the covid but um there is so i wanted to talk about the first wait is it the first scene yeah so the first scene where they're putting that raptor into the um to the paddock or whatever and there's that guy that gets attacked so, I remember that scene differently. And I think the reason I remembered it differently is because there's a reference to it in a Bob's Burgers episode. And it's, and of course, I remember the episode name. It's called The Dawn of the Peck. And because I've seen this show a thousand times, and one of the, they're like, it's like a race that's going on, and it's like Thanksgiving. And someone had mixed all these different birds together in the same truck, which is like not, you don't do that. And there's this guy who's standing outside the truck and he's like talking to the birds and he's like, oh, look at you, you're harmless, you're whatever. And and the bird like sucks in his hand and he's like, my hand, my hand. And the guy that is with him, he goes, no, not your beautiful hand, not your beautiful hand. And so so in the I remembered in the movie and I thought that his hand gets like cut off or eaten or whatever I didn't realize it was like the lower half of his torso so and then they talk about so I I think this is like this is kind of where I started really paying attention in well I mean it was from the beginning obviously but like really really started focusing on it (laughs) You're like yawning up until that point. You're like, oh, I know like two minutes and I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, oh, wow.
1: (laughs) Suddenly I'm interested. Violence.
0: (laughs) Um, Speaking of the other day, I was holding, I was holding bear and he, when he wants to like, let me let go of him, he'll start biting my arm, not like hard or anything, but he'll start like nibbling. And I'm like, what, what, why this violence? (laughs) 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 so so anyway um so they start with uh talking about how dr hammond um or not dr hammond but hammond wants to not have the the park have like an inspection or whatever and i have to i have to ask you a question and i feel like you're probably gonna feel the same way i am but i'm curious as to what you think so
1: how do you view Hammond? Um, I have to I think my main view of him was that he was an eccentric billionaire who only sees the good things in any situation. And as I've gotten older, that's why I hesitated a little bit because I had to try to differentiate how my feelings about him changed over time. And watching the movie yesterday, I caught a line that I think I've heard before, but it it never sunk in. And when the lawyer was at the mine, the guy, the miner was like, Hammond hates uh, inspections. They slow everything down. And I thought, well, that's a really weird thing to say because... Obviously, the park is dangerous. So now I kind of think he's kind of maybe like slimy, a little bit slimier than I anticipated. And coming to the dig with a helicopter, like with no regard to anything that was happening, it kind of paints him in a slightly negative light a little bit. But I still also he retains some of that. I only see the good for me. So he's not like 100% a slime ball, but I do think he's a greasier character than I grew up thinking. Okay. okay so, so
0: I had, I was on Reddit. I'm going to start out the story by telling you a different story. Well, it has to do with this, but I was on Reddit and I was reading uh, this guy's post where he had said that he had read the Jurassic park book by Michael Crichton. And he was like, I think it's so interesting that in the book, how they portray Hammond versus how they portray him in the movie. And they're like, in the movie, they portray him as like this grandfatherly type. And I mess I didn't want not message him, but I commented on the post and I said, that's really interesting because I never, ever got that impression from him. I think Hammond's a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. I, I think <laughs> Hammond like, and I actually wrote some notes down. Because I think that he is, one of the things that I said is I wrote down the refuses to do inspections, which slows things down, spares no expense,
1: monetary or human. Yeah, Um, that's a great, that's a. The human part is a great point that I actually have never put together until just now.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. because if you think about it, it seems like he's only really concerned about his his grandchildren, but what makes me wonder if he's concerned about them because he really genuinely cares about them or is he concerned about them because of the consequences that would happen to him if something happened to them?
1: um i have to interject here because this is the place to say it but have you ever watched and then we'll go back because i'm interested in the rest of your notes but have you ever heard of um i think it's a youtube channel called screen rant and it's this guy who does these comedic pitch meetings have you ever watched them um i've heard of screen rant but i don't think i've ever watched the video okay mike and i have been like voraciously watching these pitch meetings because a couple weeks back i saw one for tenet Mm -hmm. and it is it was pretty funny And so then him and I have been, like, watching them. And we watched the one for Jurassic Park. And he – so the concept is just this guy plays the same thing. He plays the producer, and he plays the guy giving the pitch. He just goes back and forth. And he brought up the fact that this guy, John Hammond, brought his grandkids before the park was even, like, deemed safe. And that never occurred to me before. It never caught my mind – like – It never stuck that why I always just thought like the park is safe and things just went awry in a way that they didn't anticipate, which is partially true, but the park isn't actually safe because the reason they want the inspection is because a worker died and he's still not willing to say, yeah, we need an inspection because somebody died, just like you just said. And it never occurred to me before that, that he probably shouldn't have brought his grandchildren to this place anyway. So you saying spare no expense monetary or human life is really smart and that's yeah. yeah well that's
0: that's kind of the end of my notes but um i i just i don't think that anyone should view john hammond as being a grandfatherly sweet kind type because i don't think he is i think he's he's all about the profit he's like i mean the entire time he's like look what i've done look like he's like you scientists are are getting down like i mean i'm obviously like You know paraphrasing but he's like you scientists are getting down on me for creating this but I brought back dinosaurs to life and it's like and all of them are going right we get what you did and what you did is pretty cool however there's a reason why these dinosaurs went extinct there was a mass extinction for a reason because mother nature deemed it so and Hammond's just like (laughs) right well, you know, whatever. So pretty cool that I did it. He just, he doesn't care because to him, again, spared no expense. He doesn't seem to care about the fact that this guy lost his life. And now the family is suing him for like $20 million or whatever it was. It was like a lot of money, um, which they should, they absolutely should sue him for $20 million after their, you know, whoever lost their life. Uh, and, and all he wants to do is he doesn't want to do the inspections because one, he probably knows that they're not going to pass because clearly they didn't, you know, and two, I mean, he's not even concerned about the fact that, you know, Muldoon lost his life or Gennaro lost his life. And, you know, Ian Malcolm is, is hurt. And there's not really much of a concern for him either, other than he just hates the guy. And he says it out loud.
1: And maybe that, that might not be totally true, but it's like, I think his character grows a little bit at the end though. I think, cause when Dr. Grant gets into the car, he says, after consideration, I've decided not to endorse your park. And Hammond says me neither. So I think, yeah. I don't think he stays that way for the whole movie. I think his character has a slight enough arc where I think he probably does feel bad that these people close to him got murdered, you know, yeah, yeah, and that his grandkids were in grave, serious danger. Um, But I, I do agree with you that I think he's in it more for the glory than anything else at yeah, first. For sure. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, I, <laughs> like, I, I, I keep thinking about, so I'm kind of going to go off on a different tangent here, but I keep thinking every time I watch this movie, how much, um, therapy these poor kids are going to need, especially Lex. Obviously Tim went through a lot of shit too, but Lex saw her brother die in front of her. Like she like fucking saw her brother die was, I mean, like, I just like this poor girl, like all I want to do is like protect this poor little girl. And, um, and, I, I mean, it's just, it's just, like, these kids are so traumatized, you know, by this this whole thing. By the way, did you, do you think that the little girl Lex, do you think she looks like a, like, Florence Pugh?
1: Um, maybe like a, slightly. Like a, I, like a younger? Actually, this is a good time, as good a time as any to bring this up. Um, okay. Lex has always bothered me because okay. she seems she's always seemed like a robot to me. Her movements really? are super mechanical like I yeah, and some of the looks that she gives and like the trembling she does has always slightly been off putting for me. I I never thought that she like actually did a super great job in the movie. Really? And um I don't think she did a terrible job. It doesn't fully take me out of the movie. I just... I don't know. I just have never uh, cared for her performance. Um, there's something something about it that has always just been like, eh, I think they could have probably gotten somebody better.
0: Huh. That's interesting. She, it looks like she's not in a lot of stuff.
1: No. And um, she was in a movie, the movie Angus, when, yeah. when she was a teenager. And um, she didn't have a huge... She had a... Like, her role was important, but she didn't have a huge role And she was okay in that, but she's not really an actress anymore. I think she's a painter now. So I I think that the kind of fits. I, I don't know if I would call her like a captivating actress. And that's, I mean, obviously I'm not a captivating actress either. So I'm not trying to like throw mud at her. I'm just saying her role in the movie has always been the least, like if I had to rank them, she would always be last on my list of like roles that I think were well done oh that's interesting I always really liked her um
0: especially as I've gotten older I really like her as I've gotten older too um I think I like empathize with more, her more now that I'm older because I kind of like see from her perspective how traumatizing and awful like being in a I mean how do you even like, how do you even get over that? You know what I mean? Like you you go to like therapy and you're like, um, my grandfather created an Island where he brought dinosaurs back to life. And, um, I just keep waking up and seeing T-Rexes and like, like, how do you even go about that? And someone's like, Oh, okay. So your grandfather in, in this fever or dream that you have had. I mean I'm sure that there's news all over you know about Jurassic right. Park it's not like it's a secret but um it's just like I, I just I I can't like I I just I don't know I I liked her a lot I liked her a lot and I think it's funny that you're you're kind of like hey. yeah my,
1: one of my notes was Lex Lex seems like an alien I don't <laughs> know funny she's... Oh,
0: yeah man. so
1: I do have a question for you. Um, do okay. you remember the first time you saw Jurassic Park? Did you see it in theaters? Or uh, how did you see it for the first time?
0: I did not see it in theaters. What happened is I really wanted
1: to see it when
0: I was a kid. And I don't think it was 93 because I because I, I think I was probably... I think it was a couple years after that. And, my, and I was like really insistent on seeing it. I'm like, I really want to see this movie. And I was probably... I was probably like nine, I would say. So it was a couple of years after because I was like six when it came out. So um, my parents went to, I remember this because they were like, okay, we're going to go rent it. And then they came back and they were like, so we couldn't actually find it to rent. So we bought it. And I was like, okay, cool. So <laughs> I watched the movie and then I had nightmares about T-Rexes for... Pretty much since now, (laughs) because I keep, I still have them every now and then. Really? Uh, Yeah, they're a lot more refined now. Um, When I was younger, they were usually just like these terrifying dreams where I was just being chased by um, like a T Rex, but now they're more like, there's more like a storyline to them. Um, And I mean, I had one, I had one, I think I told you about it. I had one where I was like a teacher at like a girls' school. And I remember it being like an all white building. It was like this beautiful building and there was a T-Rex outside. And so we were moving these girls. Like I had like five girls with me and I was super protective over them and they were like teenagers. And I was like, I was like, okay, oh, girls, just listen to what I'm, I'm saying. Like, we're going to go hide and we're going to keep moving and we're going to hide in closets. Cause it's like the, it's, it wasn't near the windows. It was like kind of a closed area, but like the T-Rex kept like breaking windows and trying to like get in, but we were on like the second floor. So it couldn't really do anything, but it was still really terrifying. Cause you could hear it like screaming and, and screeching outside. And so, yeah, I have had nightmares about t Rexes pretty much until now. I mean, they're not as frequent as, now that I'm an adult, <laughs> now that, you know, but, um, what about you? What do you, do you
1: remember the first time you saw it? I do. Um, Interestingly, my parents, we were not allowed to see Jurassic Park in theaters. Um, I think my parents were nervous about the um, cloning and evolution message that might have been in the movie. So if if any of our listeners grew up with conservative parents, I think you'll probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But something changed and my dad rented it for us and it's very like the memories are inevitably tied together. So my mom's dad, my maternal grandfather was in the hospital and he was passing away and he had a very long, very long full life. So it's not like I'm not, it's not, it's a sad story because death is inherently sad. But so my mom was spending most of her time at the hospital and it, in, they were in a city that was like maybe like 45 minutes away to an hour away. So she was spending long, long days there because it's not just like a casual trip. And it was maybe, I think it was New Year's Eve. Like I'm almost 100% certain it was New Year's Eve, 1994 to 95. And I had to look up the date because the movie didn't come out on VHS until late 1994. Oh, it
0: didn't? Yeah. So
1: it probably mm -hmm. wasn't.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it was
1: 1994, New Year's Eve, my dad rented it for us. And I remember, I remember the feeling of being so shocked because everyone in school had seen Jurassic Park and we had not had a chance to. And I remember being excited because I'm like, finally, I'm going to see Jurassic Park. And we watched it. And then I, I remember after that, talking on the phone to my mom, like, I, it, I think um, this is making me sure that it was New Year's Eve because I think it was after midnight. She called us to say Happy New Year. And I said, dad, let us watch Jurassic Park. And I remember her going, oh, did you like it? You know, and, um. and it was awesome. And I, this was the movie that awakened for me what a movie score could do. And I, to this day, it's my absolute favorite movie score. It's, I remember being enamored with the music and I remember watching the movie and having a thought like. All this is great. I like what's happening, but I really want to hear that melody again. You know, the, like the melody when they're in the helicopter and they're flying over Jurassic Park
0: and when they see the
1: dinosaurs (laughs) for the first time, I just, I remember like it capturing my heart and my emotions in a way that music, especially movie music had never done up to that point. Now I was 10 years old, 11, I guess I'd probably just turned 11 so I mean I was quite young so obviously that awakening you know that's about the right time for that sort of awakening to happen but I just I don't know I just have a very clear memory of just like loving the music so much and yeah and then obviously I've seen it and I I ended up getting to see it in theaters when I was an adult because um, the (laughs) celebration has that found had that founders film festival you know so like on Wednesdays you could see a cult classic for $2 and the part where Ian Malcolm is like doing his like model pose with his shirt open, the crowd like cheered and it, so it was very fun. And I stayed after the, and last night when I was watching the movie, I watched all the credits because the music is so amazing. And in the theater, me and my friend Reagan stayed the whole time because I said, I'm not going to leave. While, while this music is playing and everybody left and we were like what is wrong with people what is wrong with the world that people don't stay for the credits of jurassic park and so anyway that's yeah No, the
0: music is. score i agree is it's very good it, it it's very good um that this this whole movie is like it it's like i don't even know what it is and again i've said this before i've seen it so many times but every time it's like re-watching it for the first time i think this is probably one of the best films like out there just like in general because of just how timeless it is you know like it, Mm -hmm. it doesn't grow old and and the characters are interesting and they're very smart and they make a lot of really great points about exactly why you know jurassic park shouldn't be a thing and i totally agree with them you know like I, like, I mean, you know, again, Mother Nature had made these dinosaurs extinct for a reason. And so why are you bringing them back? And, like, every time I hear anything about, like, scientists wanting, like, in in real life, like, scientists wanting to clone, like, a woolly mammoth or something. I'm like, woolly mammoths are extinct for a reason. Why do you want to bring them back? You know, like... Like, like, and, and, and Ellie says something about how, how are you supposed to know what kind of environment these, these, they grew up in or they lived in, you know, you can't possibly understand the, um, climate that they lived in because we, you know, I mean, it was millions of years ago. So. I thought that that was a really good point and that's kind of the same idea with, like, a woolly mammoth is that, n- n- you know, I mean, now we have, like, global warming, so the world, it's either, like, was the world, like, a lot warmer back then or is it warmer now? You know what I mean? And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go on. What were you going to say?
1: Well, I think on a in a broader sense, I think the movie is a really interesting message about just, like, the advancement of technology and I think Ian Malcolm's line, you know, like, you were so caught up with the fact that you could, you didn't think about if you should. Yeah. And I think you can you can just umbrella that over any aspect of development, like technological development. You know, like you have the capability to do all kinds of things, but should you do it? Yeah. Where's the line drawn? And does the line just keep getting pushed just because you can do it? And so I, I think that it's a very interesting, it's a pretty deep message as well, you know, just thinking about the fact that a lot of things happen. Um, and I I don't know, should they happen? Yep. Should iPhone 17 come out? You know what I mean? Like, do we need it? So it's things like that. And I'm not like, I'm not anti-technology. I'm just saying like, I think that that approach in the movie could go to anything, you know? Yeah. And, um, So I I think it's a very interesting and timeless message as well. And in addition, I think one of the reasons the movie is so good and so timeless is because it's a very simple plot. Like, it sets up very clearly the villain, the cause and effect, and then the destruction that happens. Good guys win in the end. But, like, the guy who... um, I can't remember his name now. Nedry. Nedry meets oh, yeah, the guy yeah, yeah, in yeah. Costa Rica. Yeah. And you know that like, you know, the villain is set up. I mean, the villains are also the dinosaurs, but they're like almost like, I don't know if you could call them villains because it's just nature for them. But I wouldn't consider them villains
0: because that's just their, they're just trying to survive. Yeah. Just like anyone
1: else. Yeah. And so Nedry is, you know, supposed to take these embryos and he's going to give them to a different group of scientists for lots of money easy peasy. That's all you need. And the movie is set up on a, on a plot line that a child can understand and an adult can still enjoy. And I think that that's not always easy to do. And I think that's one of the reasons that Jurassic Park has stood the test of times because it's just very basic storytelling with the right kind of flair. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. It is
0: And it's so like, and it works on, like, I think like your basic fears of like a human is just like, there's this bigger thing and it's very scary and I need to run away from it because I'm not going to
1: fight it. You know, like a classic monster movie. Yeah,
0: exactly. But like, it's not, it's not even like a monster movie because it's like, you know, this isn't something that. I think, you know, like Godzilla or, or like in Pacific Rim, they're like these creatures that were like in the deep of the ocean or whatever that came up. So it's not like, you know, they were like part of the world. In this movie, it's it's so much worse because, I mean, it's not great that like, you know, you, you get what I mean. It's so much worse because you don't get what I mean? <laughs> no. I'll, I'll just explain. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's worse because... These, these creatures that have been extinct for so long are now purposefully being brought back to life. Okay. Whereas, and so intentionally being brought into the world, knowing that they're these, you know, gigantic, um, terrifying animals Versus something like Pacific Rim, where they are not intentionally brought into the world. So it's like, we're trying to survive these giant creatures in Pacific Rim, but they've, al- they've always been here. You know what I mean? Versus like, dinosaurs have been extinct, or they've evolved, or whatever. Yeah, and- I get what you're saying.
1: That Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and I mean, from a, a global like a in a global sense, I guess you know Pacific Rim is it worse, but like you, you get what I mean. Like I'm, you understand what I'm saying. Like in a localized sense,
1: yeah. You but I think also like it. technology <laughs> is kind of a monster in this movie. Like the pro yeah. progress that spares no expense, human casualties is also kind of a villain, which is interesting. Which there's more layers to this movie than I've probably ever thought about before when Same. I'm watching it. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. But yes, I agree with you. Like, these, this situation is man-made. Yeah, for sure, and could easily be preventable. <laughs> Whereas, yeah. oh yeah. yeah, like,
0: yeah, just don't do it there. You yeah,
1: go. <laughs> just don't do it. <laughs> it's exactly, not
0: even, it's not even preventable. You just don't fucking do it. Like right. It's not like yeah. Not like don't prevent. Like you know, like try not to get hit while crossing the street because you know you go when the light's green. No 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 no. This is not that.
1: <laughs> 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 this is just straight up. Don't <laughs> fuck with that shit, man. <laughs> I have a question for you. Um, okay. And the line when the lawyer comes to the amber mine and the, the miner, it says, because Grant, like me, is a digger when I was growing up that line always just seemed like nonsense words to me and even now I know what he says it just seems like words like do you does that line stick out to you at all because that's not
0: not even a little
1: bit (laughs) always stuck out to me as just like I know what he says but it always sounds like nonsense wait
0: what does he say grant is a digger like me
1: grant like me is a digger
0: I guess I don't remember the context. He's just because, talking about... So he's wine. saying,
1: the lawyer is saying, yeah, I've got Ian Malcolm coming with me to to look at the park. And John Hammond is going to the dig to see if Dr. Grant will come with him. And the miner's like, well, that's going to be really tough because, you know, like he's trying to get Dr. Grant good luck because Grant is a digger. He won't leave his dig basically is the message. Yeah. But I, I always, I've just wondered because there are things in this movie that have stayed in my head for, I don't know, what is it? 30, 20, 30 years, 28 years, 28 years, lines that just like perpetually live in my brain. Yeah. And one of them is that line that always feels like nonsense to me because it's almost unintelligible in, in, you know, and my friend, I remember having a friend actually tell me what he said, because for a while I didn't even know what he said. I do, um, I mean, that scene made such a little impact on me that I barely even remember it. So I'm going to say no. It doesn't mean much of anything to me at all. And also, later in the movie, when which I think is a really cool moment now, but a scene that I cared nothing about as a child, multiple viewings as a child into like teenage years, early teenage years was when uh they're eating the melted ice cream and dr hammond john hammond sorry john hammond is talking about the flea circus and when i was a kid like the concept of the flea circus i was like so how did he train fleas like i thought oh my God, me- it was <laughs> a real thing and in fact i didn't even it like, took didn- embarrassingly long for me to realize that a flea circus is like um like a like a uh Snake oil salesman type thing,
0: dude. You know, you know that thing that's like today I learned that whatever. Like, and they will be like you know. So, um, that was yesterday. It was like today I learned that a flea circus doesn't actually have fleas. In <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on the same boat that you are because as I was watching and I was like a flea circus and. When, and I just, it never, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it ever, I've ever gave it like a ton of thought where I'm like thinking, I'm like, how does someone, you know, train the fleas? But I was always like, how does someone even get fleas to do that? But then he was saying how it was just all a sham. And I was like, oh my God, that makes so much more I sense. Would,
1: <laughs> I would chew on that scene for a long time. Like it would stick with me as I was watching the movie because I never understood it when I was a young person. Right. And then one time watching it when i was older it clicked where i was like okay yeah i get it and i i really like the exchange i think it's really well done but it yeah it totally went i'm glad to hear the other people thought no, that because i remember like thinking like <laughs> like why would how would you get fleas to do things and then why is she so mad at him like i also the emotions in that scene when I was a kid, I didn't fully grasp like why she would be so mad at him. And, uh-huh. and now like taking the movie as a whole and seeing that they warned him, like, this is a bad idea. And then her being like, cause I remember the line when she's like, I was overwhelmed by the power of this place and it's out now. And I remember thinking like, like the electricity, what are you talking about? You know, when I was a kid, I remember right. the perplexing things and and now I think the subtext is just really well done. And I think that also contributes to how powerful the movie is and why it's lasted yeah. so long. Um, because it doesn't pander, but it also isn't ungraspable, you know? Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: and I think Ali is such a likable character, too. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That she's she's very, like she's very tough, but she's also, she's also like a a person. So she has these moments of, you know, like when she sees the, um, when she sees the raptor after she's like turning on the power to the whole park and she like X, she like runs out of there and then she shuts the fence behind her and she like collapses and starts crying, which is like, you know, something that anyone would do who just got, you know, like you found a raptor, you have no, you had no idea it was there. And it suddenly starts attacking you. This is something that has never happened in your life. It will never happen again. Like likely, I'm assuming, you know, I mean, they're in Jurassic Park, so who knows, but um I think she's, she's very intelligent and very um insightful. And like, she says something about how so the flea circus was an illusion, but this is not an illusion. She's like, this is not that. And, um, it, and I, I think you're, you're spot on Whereas is why this movie has been, is so timeless is because it's, it's again, it's like, it, you're, it's like they're presenting a lot of information that is like in layman's terms, you know what I mean? So, We as an audience can appreciate it because I think sometimes there are movies who are like, we're going to try and make this highly intelligent, but then they, it's like out of the grasp of just like regular people's like purview or whatever, you know? So then people are like, well, I didn't really like it because I felt like they were being like oh well this and this and this happens and then i'm like well i'm not a fucking scientist i don't know what that means you know what i mean so um, like tenant
1: tenant is a really good example of that and does that yeah yeah that's annoying i don't like that and it's even worse because it's a made-up concept so they can really do whatever they want in explaining it and they still don't you know or like i guess time travel and stuff isn't totally made up but like anyway
0: um, kind of. you've been talking how much how terrible this movie is that it makes me kind of curious to watch you can, it
1: I bought it you can borrow it oh that's want. right you do yeah. have it yeah I'm definitely not going to spend money on it um, <laughs> yeah I do have something so a, a long time ago I read an article about movies that have great exposition uh-huh. and it was praising the DNA sequence scene in the in, on the ride yeah and I agree that that is really interesting because I think that was like probably my first lesson about what DNA is and everything, but um, prior to that scene, there's a scene with a boatload of exposition that I yesterday was kind of laughing at. So it's the scene where they go to the computer at the dig, Dr. Grant, Dr. Sattler are at the computer and uh, Dr. Grant, there's like a whole crowd cause they're looking at this velociraptor that's below the ground still. And Dr. Grant says, It's no wonder these things learn to fly. And everybody started laughing at him. And I thought for the first time, aren't these his colleagues? Like, I'm sure none of, all of them would have known he thought dinosaurs evolved into birds at this point. Like, who are these people? Why is there a crowd if they haven't all been working together and they haven't all been sharing theories? And number two, he goes in this tirade about Basically laying down exposition uh, about dinosaurs and bird similarities, but then the little boy says... That's not that scary. And he talks about the hunting tactic.
0: Can I say one thing? I've always hated that kid. Like from when I was little, like that kid, he's like, I don't think that that's scary. I've always been like, I'm going to punch this little kid in the face. <laughs> like I hate, I always hated that child. I always thought he was the most obnoxious little twat waffle ever. I was like,
1: you shut your mouth. You don't know what you're talking about, you little brat. <laughs> More like a giant turkey or something. <laughs> yeah. and. ugh. So then he lays out this exposition of how raptors attack, which obviously comes back later when Muldoon gets killed because he's like, yeah, you think this one ahead of you is going to kill you, but really there's raptors beside you that you're not even seeing. Yeah, And that scene like had a new hue for me when I was watching it last night because I was like, he's acting like he's never met these people, but they all have like tents and trailers set up and it's an established dig there's a bunch of people digging together so you're telling me that they've never talked about his theories about dinosaurs being birds before or if that's not the case who are these people are they just right. there there are they supposed to be i mean they're supposed to be us obviously because he's preaching at them or right. teaching at them rather and it's not bad like nothing that i'm anything I'm saying that sounds negative doesn't ruin the movie for me. It's just things I noticed. Right. And I think that that scene laying down that exposition is not as well done as Mr. DNA, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I
0: always liked when he put that kid in his place though, (laughs) because I always hated that child so much that when he was like, He was kind of like, really, you really want to fuck with me right now? And then he tells like the kid what the the raptor would do. And the kid's like, okay, um, a little scary now, I guess. (laughs) My kid will live in infamy. He had five minutes in a motion picture. I think think that, I think he's in other stuff. I think that kid has been in other stuff. And I think he always plays like a whiny little bratty
1: character though. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's been in other stuff too. We looked him up a while ago, uh, Mike and I did. Did you? But I yeah. really like the line when Ellie says, "Hey, Alan, if you really wanted to scare him, you could have just pulled a gun on him." And I, <laughs> yeah, I really like too. that. I think it's really funny, and very '90s. And I don't think it's a line that would ever get a, anybody would ever get away with today. No, I think
0: I always thought that that was really funny too. Um, yeah. So. Anyway, I wanted to, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but I had like listened to something or read something where, so this is a Spielberg film, right? And, um, there is a scene in the daytime when they're at the T-Rex paddock where there is, it's just a flat area, right? (laughs) But at night, suddenly
1: there's a cliff. I've
0: I was going to, did you, there
1: Before? did you think of that on your own or did you hear, did somebody bring it up to you? No, I, I read it somewhere. Yeah. Cause see on that same screen rant, this, the pitch meeting on the screen rant channel, I've never thought about that before, but he mentions it there too. And I said to Mike, Oh my gosh, I've yeah, never noticed I that never either. No, and I, I was going to, I was, that's why I was wondering if you thought of it because I like, it's no. never like, it's n- been off my radar, even though it's right there in front of you.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, cause I think that it's, I, I remember reading about this. This was years and years ago that I read, I read this, but it was something like the person I think who said it had worked with Spielberg on the project. And he was like, And I think what happened is that Spielberg was like, okay, so then we're going to have a cliff here. And everyone was like, but there wasn't a cliff there before. And he's like, okay, well, I know that, but now there is going to be a cliff there. (laughs) And they were like, okay, you're the boss.
1: (laughs) So, um, but the thing is it worked. It it worked worked, on me. And it was, it It worked on me until last like Thursday, maybe. Yeah. I mean,
0: the thing is that it's, I just don't think that they show enough of the landscape for you as a viewer to really even notice that. So Mm -hmm. when the cliff does suddenly appear, you're like, you're like, oh, shit. It's always been there because you just don't, uh, you don't, you just don't correlate the two. You don't put it together, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: I did I- think last night when I was watching it, remember when Ellie and Muldoon ran down to the tree to check out? I was like, how did they get down there yeah, and I up that so too. fast too. I that too? So that's something that I also have never thought about before either. Yeah,
0: I was thinking that too, because... Um, it's funny because I was like, wait, wait. So she notices the car and then they're suddenly down there. Ian is in the backseat of their car, of their gas-powered Jeep
1: or whatever it is. I'm assuming it's a Jeep. It looks No, like a Jeep. He's, he's, yeah, they call it the gas-powered Jeeps. They do? Okay. At <laughs> <No, laughs> so, the Triceratops thing, the guy's like, I have a gas-powered Jeep. I can take her back. And I was like, good for you. What other Jeep would you have? <laughs>
0: I know. When he's said like gas-powered, I was like, interesting. That's it. A- no, that's everyone drives those cars. <laughs> yeah. um so yeah no so Ian's in the back and then they're like investigating this you know they, they see the other car and so they're you know like down there but I'm like did they climb down there because they get back up Awfully fast because then he's they run
1: from like some trees. Is there like a ladder or a stairway behind the (laughs) trees?
0: I don't know. know. It's like it's I mean the continuity is not is not great in that part, but um because then Ian is sitting in the car and he starts talking about uh what was it like motion tremors or what he says he calls it? Impact
1: tremors, impact
0: tremors, yeah. And he is like kind of just talking to himself, which is funny because I noticed that in this movie that a lot of people were talking to themselves and I never really noticed that before. And I was suddenly like, and I suddenly like noticed it and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was just interesting. It wasn't, there's nothing really behind that observation, but um yeah. And then he's like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then, and then they're running towards the car, but it was like, where did they fucking come from? <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's part of one of those things where you just have to appreciate it for what it is because it's regardless of whether or not that's a huge, I mean, it is a huge continuity error. It's still so good that you're just kind of like, it's fine. I excuse it because it's so tense, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the part where they are, um where Lex is, like, hanging off Dr. Grant and they're trying to, like, escape from the car and then the car gets stuck in the tree and, um, and poor Tim is, like, in there and he's like, I threw up. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, oh, poor kid. Yeah. Lucky to even survive that, but I, that scene where they are, the kids are in the car, Gennaro leaves them and then the T-Rex is is attacking them from the, the top, is like hands down. I think one of the scariest scenes I've ever seen in any movie ever. Like I don't care if it's like the scariest horror movie ever. That is the scariest fucking scene. Like and and I was watching that, and um. And I was just like, even though I've seen it so many times, I was still like, I was like, oh, geez. Oh, no. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> I, like, I know. I I can't believe. I mean, like, I feel like in that situation, I would black out because how, that would, it would be so terrifying. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. And like, the thing is, I think one of the scariest, and it's it's such a subtle it's such a subtle part but I think one of the scariest parts is she has the light on the flashlight and the t-rex looks like is is um kind of like parallel to the car like its head is parallel to the car and so the light shines in its eye and then the eye suddenly like the the pupil like gets smaller
1: and like dilates or yeah, yeah and I
0: mean and I I marvel every time that I see that scene because that fucking T-Rex is animatronic. And that's amazing. It's pretty cool. It's like every time I see that scene, I have to remind myself that it's animatronic. And every time I'm like fucking blown away by how amazing and the time and energy that they put into making that thing look so real. It looks so awesome.
1: Yeah. And I read on the wiki page um, something pretty interesting that it's Roar, is a baby elephant mixed with a tiger and an alligator, and its breath is a whale's blow. A dog attacking a rope toy was used for the sounds of the T-Rex tearing a gallimimus apart, while cut sequoias tra- crashing to the ground became the sound of the dinosaur's footsteps. And I think that that's so awesome.
0: That's interesting. The, the
1: wiki page has lots of um, notes about what they did to make the sounds, like the velociraptor... Um, Dolphin screams, walruses bellowing, geese hissing, and African cranes mating call, tortoises mating, and human rasps so were mixed to formulate various raptor sounds.
0: Interesting. It's, it's so
1: cool. Yeah, like the, the, things, that's the actually, creativity.
0: That's actually one of my favorite parts about, um, about films is learning the different kinds of sounds that they use to create like what is essentially what they're making up in their own mind. Yeah. And so, and like they, and the fact that they use all these different animals and they combine it together is like, it, it's just really interesting because you're like, oh, I would never have expected like a baby elephant. What? <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. but that's so cool. And I bet that these people were just sitting there listening to all these different sounds for like hours and hours. And they're like, wait, that's it. The baby elephant.
1: I know it's weird. But that's perfect for the raptor,
0: like you know, it's
1: yeah. And I think it's it's pretty amazing the artistry in sound design. And I think I think Mike told me that I'm I might be misremembering this, but I think he said the noise of the lightsabers was inspired by like you know the electrical like uh, power lines when they are connected to the ground from the pole you know and you Uh can kind of like hit it and it'll make like a vibrating noise I think that that was part of the inspiration for like a lightsaber noise or something that particular noise and things like that it's just so fascinating I agree with you
0: it's really cool it's really cool yeah and yeah I mean this this movie is it's so good (laughs) it's just like it's it doesn't matter how many times I've seen it it's it's What you called it something once when I was watching it like months and months ago. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember that, but I was watching it months and months ago and I was like, I was like, even though I've seen this movie so many times, it is still like. it it, it still pulls me in like and you said it was something like the Jurassic Park effect or you called it something and I wish I could remember you called it like the Jurassic Park effect or something like that you were like yep that's a Jurassic Park effect (laughs) and I was like yeah that (laughs) sounds pretty accurate it just
1: pulls you in yeah it pulls you in it really does It, it really does um there was something I wanted to say last night so when I was watching it last night I was thinking about how excited they were when they learned that they had cloned a T-Rex and then they get to the T-Rex paddock which Muldoon is like quiet they're approaching the T-Rex paddock (laughs) like why (laughs) why (laughs) but um so they get there and they don't see the T-Rex and then they move on and then the whole thing happens with the Triceratops and then they go back, but Ellie doesn't go back with them. And so she didn't get to see the T Rex. And then when the T Rex was chasing the Jeep, I said, Oh, well, I'm glad Ellie got some time with the T Rex at least. <laughs> She's like screaming at it. I didn't even think of that, but <laughs> you're
0: totally right about that. Um we should talk about the triceratops part. So Okay. So um
1: Micro vesicles. What? <laughs> microvesicles. And they
0: go yeah. When she touched the tongue, I'm like <laughs> she like, like part, squeezed
1: it. She squeezed she's like a like, tongue pimple or something. I yeah, know,
0: that yeah. part always like really grossed me and I was like, don't don't touch it. And then she's like I mean she's like elbow deep in dinosaur poop. Which by the way, I have Okay, I I accepted it when I was a child, but as an adult, I'm like, I have a hard time believing that a dinosaur left
1: this big of amount of poop. Like, that
0: seems a little extreme.
1: I feel exactly the same way. Unless they're, like, cleaning up the poop throughout the park, which seems ridiculous, I feel like it would be... Like little piles here and there. Yeah, the triceratops well, I mean, isn't that tall. Like, no, I know.
0: Well, and I think if it was a like a brachiosaurus or a brontosaurus, then that would make sense because they're so huge.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: the, yeah, the every time I see the the um the pile of poop when it's supposed to be the tr- triceratops, I'm like, I don't think so. That's yeah. like almost no. as big as the triceratops. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never noticed that she wore gloves. <laughs> really? Yes oh my gosh I know <laughs> I just like I just assumed she was just digging in like I apparently I don't know why I just just I just totally miss that every time Wow. I think I only like I think when I ever I watched it I was paying attention but like half paying attention you know because I'd seen it so many times and I was like whatever which is exactly why I wanted to watch it again this time because I was like I'm gonna miss something or I'm gonna see something that I have missed before because I need to really pay attention now because I'm seeing it from a critic's eye you know and um and like what I said it's it's weird it's interesting watching it from a critic's eye versus watching it from the eye of just a fan of the movie because you have to notice all these little things that you've maybe never noticed before never took the time to notice and it's I mean it's kind of like almost makes it more enjoyable I think you know um But, okay, so, yeah, that part always bothered me with the poop, but I I have to say, I saw a meme once, and it was, like, a gif of Ian walking towards the poop, and it was, like, and the caption was, like, walk seductively towards a pile of shit. (laughs)
1: You will remember to wash your
0: hands before you eat anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love how she's just talking to herself. She's like something about lilacs and whatever: and blah, She's blah, like, blah. every
1: six months. every, yeah, every six six, months. six weeks, six weeks, six weeks, six, sorry. Yeah. every uh, six weeks. <laughs>
0: but that I mean, that is so cool. Like just the I mean, the animatronics of this movie is I, I yeah, I can't get over it. I can't like, I'm astonished. Every time it looks so real. It looks it so does. real. Yeah, it's so good. It's so real. It's like, I mean, it, and I I mention this movie every time I'm like talking about how practical effects should be more of a thing rather than special effects because this movie is 28 years old and it looks almost as good as it came out. It, if it came out like last year, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and it's it's still spectacular mm-hmm. and. Yeah, Ugh, I just love this movie. I have a lot of feelings about Jurassic Park. So, I wanted to talk about the which I will say that, um, as <laughs> I've never really even kind of noticed this before, and I'm kind of embarrassed that I haven't. But there is a scene where they're going through the ride at, at, um, like home base or whatever, and uh, they are. Looking, They're talking about how the DNA of the dinosaurs was interspersed with frog DNA. And I was always like, they understand that frogs are amphibians and dinosaurs are, you know, reptiles, right? And <laughs> I've I mean, never put that together before. <laughs> like, it always really bothered me. And then as I was watching the movie, there's a scene where Dr. Grant comes a- across eggs that are, are like hatched in the wild. Right. Mm -hmm. And he starts saying, oh, they are using DNA from a frog and some frogs are capable of switching sexes. And I was like, oh, that's so in, I think in my mind and my personal opinion, I guess, is that the frog DNA isn't so much because it makes sense as much as it's just a vehicle for that you know for dinosaurs being born in the wild you know what i mean
1: yeah no i know exactly what you mean uh and i've never thought about the fact that reptiles and amphibians are like frogs and amphibian and dinosaurs are reptiles never occurred to me so that's an interesting point but yeah it was just a way for them to prove dr malcolm's like life finds a way statement yep. you know
0: yeah
1: i yep. did write down in my notes why does dr grant smell the egg can you tell me? Do you know why?
0: Um, I don't know either. And I was curious about that as well.
1: Cause he just kind of like lifts it up and he's like. It's yeah. very weird because Dog he doesn't draw any conclusion." <laughs> like I wish if they were going to, since they had him smell it, I wish he would have been like, oh yeah, there's a slight sulfur smell that, that is significant signifying of, of this sort of animal hatching or something, or, weird, yeah, you know, like, yeah. but instead it, it just seems like he just, maybe likes to smell things I don't know it's a weird it's a weird addition unless it's like Sam maybe Sam Neill was just in the zone and that's something that he did maybe it wasn't scripted you know i don't know but
0: it's like it's like grissom on csi where he'll just be like oh a liquid i'm just gonna stick my finger in it and lick it and I'm yes. like, don't do that <laughs> yes
1: i'm like don't yes. do that you know I do what that is. don't lick that liquid what's wrong with you yeah it's supposed to i think it's supposed to signify that these people have very discerning senses that can like help them but it just seems ridiculous
0: i don't you know i don't know it- it always bugged me when he did that in CSI and it always really grossed me out. And he was like, oh, gasoline. But I was like, what's it going to be next time? He was like, oh, AIDS infected blood. Great. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, you know? like, oh, I uh-huh. can definitely taste that. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: can taste the AIDS.
1: There's a um, line in the, in the dinosaur, in the ride that. It's such a, like, bizarre line. It's when the lawyer is talking to John Hammond and he's like, are these people (laughs) 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 auto-erotic? John Hammond's like... He doesn't even, he doesn't even look at him weird. He just goes, no, we don't have any animatronics. And I was like, but that's not even close to animatronics. Like, I know. Auto, I know. He's like, the thing is like, Gennaro's like,
0: he's not, he's not like confident about it, but he's like just a little too confident for what he says. He's like auto erotica. And I was like, sir, that is not what that means. Like,
1: <laughs> I do like when they're at dinner and Hammond is like, I I bring you here to be on my side and the only one on my side is the blood sucking lawyer and the lawyer's like, Thank you. <laughs> like, you so, do you think that he like
0: do you think that he um was really thanking him because i always got the impression that he was really like oh yeah yeah a blood-sucking lawyer
1: <laughs> that's what i get as well like it didn't seem sarcastic at all it seemed like yeah. he was like like he had dollar signs in his eyes and he's like i am yes i am a blood-sucking lawyer thank you thank you indeed yeah and uh <laughs> it's, also mike pointed this out to me Cause we casually watched Jurassic park recently and he pointed this out to me and I'd never noticed it before, but when they're in the helicopter and they're coming down or they're coming up to Jurassic park, Ian Malcolm keeps touching John Hammond and John Hammond is like, it gets annoyed at him and he's like, stop he's like keeps touching his knee. And John Hammond's like, stop touching me. And it's pretty comedic, but I would never noticed it before Mike <laughs> pointed it out to me. Did you notice it?
0: Um, I don't think I noticed it in this viewing, but I think I have noticed that before where he's like, no, what are you doing? (laughs) It's pretty good. I just think Ian Malcolm is like, he is like, he is chaos incarnate. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, I think that that's probably why he's been married so many times is because he just like, he's just one of those people where he thrives on that kind of environment. And I think that there is there are so few people who actually really thrive from that like really thrive you know like usually it stresses most people out but for him it's like this is this is my this is is my world this is where
1: i live you know yeah Um, he's so smooth i i liked it when he was in the car talking to dr sadler and he's just got his arm up casually and he's just playing with a piece of her hair And it's just like, he's so suave that I can see why he has so many spouses because I think he just like, he floats around to pretty things, you know, and he's just so suave while doing it. And he like takes her hand and he's like brushing her hand. And he's like, he said something like imperfections in the skin. And she goes, imperfections. And he goes, they're microscopic, like, like reassuring
0: her. And it's just like, (laughs) this is why I love Jeff
1: Goldblum so much.
0: Like he's so like... He, there's, there's this picture that I found online where someone said like, or it was like a news, it was like a report, not a report, but it was like a, um, like a, oh my God, I'm totally. Well, what confused. was it, Lauren? I don't, I'm trying to think of the word, I mean, it was a. Oh my god, I can't re- what's a, an article. Oh my god. Okay, that took way too long. It was an article and it was written about Jeff Goldblum and it was like him like now and <laughs> it said like it said like Jeff Goldblum wants his fans to call him daddy and someone commented on it and they were like Jeff you are opening up Pandora's box but then there's like a picture of him where he's looking like he has like his hand on his mouth like this like he's like and he's like smiling and like looking off like very like mischievous you know <laughs> <And> someone wrote <laughs> under that they're like does this look like a man that he's going to is who's afraid to like you know find one <laughs> like, open up the Pandora's box or whatever <laughs> because then I saw that interview of him too where he's talking to someone yeah from like Hot Ones or something yeah or so and I think I sent it to you, but I like posted it on my Instagram as like a story because I thought it was so funny and he was talking about how um like his fans call him daddy and then he starts talking about how they also call him zaddy and he's like that's a spicy one isn't it <laughs> and i'm just like jeff jeff goldblum loves this shit he is like this is he's just like he's such an unusual person i yeah. love him so much and i i just i wish like it, it's like there's so few people like him in the world that i i want to like just keep him in like a place where he can't like, he can't grow older. He can't change. He, you know what I mean? Like, he just, I just want to leave him in that, like, stasis. Just stay where you are, Jeff. I love you. Don't change. You're the
1: best. You know what I mean? <laughs> he is awesome. Yeah. Is, yeah. Um. Yeah. Something else that I wrote down that I forgot to mention about that helicopter flight, which has never occurred to me until I watched the movie last night. Mm-hmm. So the helicopter, because of the wind shear, has to go, like, straight down or something. And they're all, like, scrambling for seatbelts. And I think you're supposed to see, like, oh, Dr. Grant uses ingenuity. But the reality of the situation is Ellie doesn't have a seatbelt now because he took her seatbelt and tied it to his. But everybody is, like, impressed. But I wish that the scene would have had her, like, flying out of her seat because he couldn't... (laughs) Cause he, he, he was finding two pieces that wouldn't connect. So right, he was using right. one of hers cause she was sitting right next to him right, and one of his and he tied them and every, and he smiles like the cat that got the canary and everyone's like impressed, like ingenuity, man. But really she didn't have a seatbelt then no. and they never show her because I don't think they can because he took her seatbelt. Right, no, I
0: know I have noticed that like a long time and it always bothered me too because I was like, Wait, what about Ellie? and he's yeah. just like, Now I have a seatbelt on, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> she's, I guess, she's cool enough or she doesn't need the she's extra like, help or I am actually anti flying out of my seat, so I just stay. I glued myself, literally, glued myself to my chair, so I'm fine. I'm, it's good, great. everything's great. Um, yeah, I don't know, that was. <laughs> Very
1: I do weird. like, though, I like how he's looking at the fences as they drive through them. Like, you can tell the wheels are turning. Like, what mm-hmm. are we doing here? You know? Yeah. And I, th- I think that that's a really interesting uh moment as well that I really like. And, but the My- scene...
0: Oh, go on. Sorry.
1: No, were you going to say something about that scene? Because I was going to jump forward uh, well, I was going to
0: I was going to mention something about Nedry and how so... so Hammond has Nedry... Who, for some reason, has all this power uh, over like the systems and everything? And my question is, not really to you, but just kind of in general, is why would you rely on one person having all this access to um, what is really like supposed to be a very secure place? It's like even in a bank a bank has a vault and two people have the code. So you can't get in with just one person. You know what I mean? It's like someone has the first part of the code and then the second person has the second part of the code. Neither one knows each other's codes. So I have a very hard time. Like, and in a bank, I mean, it's fairly, it's fairly secure, but you also are not going to be in danger of having a bunch of creatures come after you and try and kill you. So... Why would Hammond be so okay with Nedry having all this power over his systems when in reality there should have been several different people that were working on this that all had different aspects and they came together and worked as a team? You know what I mean? Because, I mean, I think it's obviously a vehicle for the the plot. However, it just seems like what if something happened to Nedry? What if he died? Like, he died in a car accident. He just, you know, I don't know, had a heart attack. Whatever. Like, or what did happen to him where he got killed by that, like, little weird creature. Um, and it, it seems very irresponsible to me. So I'm not sure if that's just kind of another sign of who Hammett is as a person where he just doesn't care that multiple, multiple people don't have access to this thing. Because even when... um when Arnold, you know, Samuel Jackson's character was trying to get into the system, he's like, I can't do this without Nedry. So it's deeply, deeply concerning to me that this guy has so much access and so much power to all these different sites in the island and no one else has the ability to access them. And if
1: shit goes wrong, then shit really hits the fan, you know, like, Yeah, I have thought about that in some ways because he has an antagonistic relationship with Nedry. Hammond does. Yeah. Yeah. So I would And it sounds like Nedry's not paid enough either. Well, I think... I don't think he's not... I personally think he's probably paid very generously. He just wants more. Right. I don't think that Hammond is stingy. It doesn't seem like that to me. I think Nedry's just like... A, like greedy he's just a prick yeah and i've thought about that how nedry has so much power and john hammond is okay just cultivating this negative relationship with him like trying to i don't know teach him a lesson but at the same time like this employee has a lot of power and you're not making anything any better by being like your financial problems are your own, you know, like, yes, that's probably true. Like he got into the mess. He got it on his own, but you're being very rude to somebody who has a lot of control over things on this Island. And I, and I thought that that was, I think it's an interesting dynamic that I, in real life, I would think you should probably hire somebody else and fire Nedry. But I agree with you. Like it does seem really weird that he would have so much power and like maybe him and Samuel L. Jackson should have been partners in some way, and maybe Nedry could have still, you know, messed up the computers. But at least they would have an explanation for why one person has all this control. Right. I did like how nervous Nedry got, when he's like, "I'm gonna go. Does anybody want a soda? I'm gonna go to the vending machines." I just, <laughs> and, and he's like, like he's trying to funny be so I cool. Thought that too. <laughs> yeah, like he's he's trying to commit this like I don't know espionage or something, and. And Or whatever. I don't know what the word would be. Um, he's trying Strong, to smuggle maybe? out. Yeah, he's trying to smuggle out these embryos. And when it, when the rubber hits the road, he's like very uncool about it. And very like noticeably different. And
0: yeah. there There's a scene in Brooklyn Nine-Nine that reminds me a lot of it. A lot of that scene where there's this one character named Debbie. And she steals a bunch of cocaine. But like she's like what's going on everyone hi how's it going what's going on what's what's happening you know and she's really really nervous and um one of the detectives like approaches the captain and he's like i think debbie stole the cocaine and literally everyone is like oh yeah we all know because she's (laughs) acting super suspicious and crazy and i think it's like the same thing with nedry where he's like he's like i know i never talked this fast before but i think it's just a little bit different today and like does anyone want soda or anything to eat i just think i need a snack or something it's like i'm gonna go i gotta go back (laughs) you know and you're just like and like he's so nervous that that I I think if it weren't a situation where it's literally life or death, someone might be like, hey, dude, you okay? (laughs) You know?
1: (laughs) I love it. I, uh, it's, it's just, it's a good performance. And I like, I've always liked when they're in Costa Rica and he opens the Barbasol container and, and Wayne Knight, Nedry played by Wayne Knight, like does this like high pitched like dog whistle type laugh for a second i've always yeah. liked that reaction and do you know in the other movies did anybody ever find the barbasol can because i thought that that might be kind of like i know that the embryos aren't alive in it mm-hmm. but i kind of thought like it would be kind of fun if if in one of the sequels somebody found it and was like what is this and that's that like you know like nothing came of it just somebody finding it would be kind i of don't confused. i
0: don't remember i don't remember well enough um I think the implication is that it wasn't found because there was so much mud that went yeah. like that fell on top of it, that likely it just like sunk further and further. And then it like, cause you know, the mud would end up hardening over yeah. it. So it's like, unless someone's going to dig in a specific spot.
1: And that's another reason why the movie doesn't need sequels because it's very self-contained. Yes. And I think that it's, it's better for it because yeah. the threat stays on the Island and, and so you could just tie a neat little bow on it and it doesn't need any additional storytelling. And, well, and I like that. There's
0: actually a line that they say that really kind of implies that the dinosaurs would start dying out. Because they say that the, the part- contingency. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I was going to bring yeah. it up. Yeah. yeah. So if they are needing this lysine on a regular basis... And they're not able to get it, then they would eventually start dying out. But again, as you know, which, as you've said, which is why Jurassic Park probably did not need sequels because it's so contained, but, um, that is like kind of one of those things that maybe they were just like, oh, well, this doesn't work for our story. So we're just not going to include it, you know, in the, in the sequels or whatever, which I hate when they do that. Um because it, to me, it's, it's like, you can't, again, as I've said before, you cannot establish a lore and then completely ignore the rules of the lore. Like you can't do that. That's Mm -hmm. not good writing. It's like, it's very lazy and it's very indicative of someone who's just like, well, this doesn't work for me. So I'm just going to do it like this. And it's like, no, you know, it's like, suddenly like giving someone a superpower that they never had before like just because it's convenient for the scene like that doesn't that's not the way things work and that's also very bad storytelling you know if you'd ever have any sort of um foreshadowing or whatever and suddenly this happens No, don't, don't come at me like that. Yeah, (laughs) well,
1: and that would have been in the movie, it would have weakened the movie if when Muldoon died, he was killed by the one he thought was hunting him Mm -hmm. and not killed by one of the raptors who popped out of the side because they've established very early in the movie that the raptors hunt that way. So just within the movie itself, it did a good job of following through on things like yeah. that. And yeah, yeah, with subsequent films, like it, they become a mess. And I think that's why each one, like each one, is just like another copy. Like you make a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. The quality just continually gets worse. And I think that that's what the sequels kind of have going for them. It's just like a copy of a copy of a copy. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I totally agree with you. It's unfortunate too. And I, again, I enjoy the sequels, so I don't mind them, but I also totally agree with you that it's not...
1: Yeah. I don't hate the sequels. Most of them I think are just like, whatever. I'll watch them because they're kind of novel still to watch. And I can watch them with like a chuckle because they're kind of ridiculous, except I... I don't include Fallen Kingdom because that movie is literally terrible, but the rest of them I, you know, I'll tolerate them and I'll have fun watching them, even though I don't think they're great movies, you Is know? Chris
0: Pratt in Fallen Kingdom?
1: Yes. Is he? Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Are the kids in it too?
1: No, there's different different younger people that are like teenagers It's about this girl, She, I think I've talked about it before, she's, you find out that she's a clone, so she sets the clone dinosaurs free What? It's, That's... <laughs> It's bad. It's so bad. Even that just sounds so dumb. <laughs> just like what you told me. I think me it, the like- thing is, there's an aspect of the movie that I thought was really creative. Because, so there's this, there's this volcano on the on Isla Nublar. And it's going to eradicate the dinosaurs. So it's going to take care of the problem. The dinosaurs are going to uh-huh. die. But Bryce Tellis Howard wants to, like, protect them and everything. But the thing I thought was creative was that there's like exotic animal dealers who are trying to get their hands on these dinosaurs because they auction them off to people who want to hunt exotic game. And I think that that's really interesting. Like opportunist would come if something like this really happened in real life opportunist would come out of the woodwork and something like that would definitely become a thing but the movie is such garbage that that little storyline cannot redeem anything you know it can't redeem it it's just I just think it's a creative idea but the rest of the movie is just so bad it's not worth it I would
0: have I would have liked to see that a bunch of people who are like just rich people like come on the island and they're like we're gonna go hunt them and then yeah they're like way over their heads so that would be I would be like, especially if there are people who are like, I'm just going to make an assumption here, but I'm going to make an assumption that people who pay to kill exotic animals are probably assholes because you're paying to kill another creature that that kind of makes me think that maybe you're not the nicest person. You know what I mean? Like
1: I don't, I wouldn't hold someone like that in high regard personally. I think it's different. I think if somebody is hunting animals for the purpose of eating the meat. Oh yeah. That's different. And dealing with the carcass in a way that is useful. That doesn't bother me, but somebody who's killing for just a trophy uh, or killing just to kill. I agree with you. Like that that's I don't yeah, like no, that. That's, but that's I, I, I mean have no too. problem with hunting if you're hunting to be productive with the meat. That doesn't bother me.
0: Yeah, no, same here. I mean that's that's different because you're doing that because you want to eat the food like you're you're doing it because you also need to survive as a person and so you need to eat but yeah no someone who just does it just for the, the the fun of killing an animal no
1: yeah I watched something once where somebody said that they went on a hunt to kill a bear and they killed the bear but they weren't able to eat the meat because the bears had just come out of hibernation and it's really dangerous because um the meat could be full of like bacteria and stuff because they've been hibernating. Mm-hmm. And that seems so egregiously wrong to me. Like I don't even know. I just I can't even fathom that. Like just killing something, you can't even like the the death is, is just for your sport seems really weird to me. Yeah, I mm-hmm. agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And always makes me think of um what is it, the the greatest What is it? It's like that one story about like people who hunt people. You know what I'm talking about? It's called like The Greatest Game or something like that. Yeah. Isn't it called The Greatest Game? I have to look this up. This is going to bother me. Oh, The Most Dangerous Game. Oh, okay. That's what I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. I knew it had something to do with game, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. um, It's like, you know, The Most Dangerous Game where it's like they're, it's really uh, very morally, like you're, you're hunting a person, you know, and, and I think that you still have to put animals in that same category because, um, you're still hunting a creature just for the sake of hunting it, you know, just, just to do it. And, and actually there's, okay, so actually this is like really relevant. So there's a scene in the uh, Jungle Book where this like really potent scene where um, Mowgli is being shown around this gorgeous place that they're staying, this like beautiful palace. And um, they come into the game room and he's seeing Oh, all like these... Pac-Man and Mortal <laughs> yeah, Kombat totally. and Pinball. Yeah, yeah, no, it's all these different animals' heads that are, you know, I'm, yeah, you know, uh, (laughs) uh, on the wall, yeah, on the walls, and Mowgli is, like, on the edge of, like, he looks like he's about to have, like, a nervous breakdown, and he's clearly very traumatized by what he sees, because to him, these are, like, his friends, these are his family, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's seeing all these different animals, and, and it it, it has a lot of, like, it's just, it's just a very, Sad scene because he's like, I don't belong in this world of men and I don't belong in the world of animals. So, where do I belong?
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. And, uh, anyway. It's it's the same idea where it's just like it's a very traumatizing thing. and it, Anyway, so yeah, I think that that Fallen World would have been way more interesting definitely if they had included that, because I would have watched the shit out of that. That sounds really interesting, but no, they're going to make it about Clone Girl who releases all the clone animals.
1: Stupid. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even seen the movie and I'm pissed off about yeah, it. <laughs> it's dumb. I was telling Mike after we finished watching it, I said she basically condemned the human race to die i will some members of the, like she should probably go to prison you know because yeah yeah i don't know anyway um i did want to talk about so something in the movie that i accept because it's in the movie and the movie is very fun but if hard pressed i'm not sure i like it is raptors opening doors mhm that kind of bothers me I, how do you feel about that when because it's like very cheeky where Ellie's like, unless they learned how to open the door. And then the next scene, the the raptor goes into the kitchen by opening the door.
0: So, um, I think that it makes sense that they can open the door, especially since they're handles and not knobs. Um, cats can open doors that have handles. Mm -hmm. So I think it's totally possible that a raptor could open a door that has a handle. So it, it doesn't really bother me because to me, that's kind of like, okay, yeah, that makes sense that they might be like, this object is in my way. Oh, here's this thing. I'll just press down on it and see what happens. Oh, it opens. Okay. But I
1: don't know if they have that train of thought though. Like, right? here's this thing. I'll press down on it and see if it opens. Like they would have no concept of, let me see if this opens by pressing it down. That's what, that's where I get tripped up because I know what you mean that cats can open doors and I but I think that cats are around doors all the time and these raptors are not around doors you know like a cat knows when you open your closet your cat knows that there's something behind that door but I don't know know if a raptor (laughs) yeah I don't know if a raptor would be like something's behind this door I feel like a raptor would just move beyond the door to like the path of least resistance almost
0: yeah, that makes more sense. But I think that it also makes sense that it's something that they would try because, um, because, uh, what's his name? Muldoon had said so many times that they are highly intelligent.
1: He does establish that and like they never yeah. hit the same spot twice. That's another line that's floated around in my brain since 1994. They've never hit the same, they never hit the same spot twice. But I saw it in '94. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But, um, um well retro yeah
0: actively i'm 93
1: (laughs) (laughs) so they are i do see that they're intelligent but a door i don't think a door would mean anything to them up to this point you know i think that they are just adapting to their environment is what i think yeah and i accept it in the movie like i said earlier none of the negative things i say actually ruin the movie for me they're just things i i have noticed or just noticed for the first time and I'm pulling out. But I think of anything in the movie where I would say, eh, I wish this wasn't in the movie. I think it would be them opening the door, but I do also think it's extra terrifying that you can't hide from them because they figured out how to open the door. So, you know, everything negative is tinged with some positive as well, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I, uh, it's, I, so, okay. they Speaking of raptors opening doors, it's like close to the last scene where uh, Dr. Grant and Ellie are holding the door closed against the raptor and Ellie's like trying to reach the gun. Tim is literally standing there like <laughs> did you think of that on your own as well because no yes I did because I got so irritated by because because Lex is on the computer so Lex is like really like highly intelligent she knows the um the system that they're working is called like links or something so she knows the system that they're working on she recognizes it immediately she knows where to look and I was like that's awesome so that she's she a serious that. hacker yeah she was awesome <laughs> and um, and okay. Tim is just like flipping out and like, come on, hurry up. And I was like, Ellie's reaching for the gun. She's trying to reach for the gun. And she's like, I can't reach for it unless I move. And she can't move because if she moves, the raptor's gonna get in there. And I was just like, Tim,
1: go and fucking hand her the gun. Like, it, like it that, that really so never much. that never occurred to me, but he talks about that in the pitch meeting as well. So I think it's funny because I it didn't really. It didn't come into my head like before that hearing that on the pitch meeting. I wouldn't have thought like, why doesn't he hand her the gun?
0: You know, I think it. I think it's always bothered me. I'm like, really Get up and go hand her the gun. Yeah, because that's awesome. He's just he's just freaking out. Like that's literally all he's doing. And I was like, I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I kind of want to talk about the whole like the uh, dinosaurs being. Um, born the like baby raptor, which I I was like that thing is so cute that I want just like a mini version that just like runs around my desk, like you know what I mean. <laughs> and it's like, ah! and I'm like, yes, come on in, come <laughs> on in. I'm like, here's a little piece of chicken, and it like like gently bites my finger, and I'm like, nope, not me. <laughs> like, ah! anyway, um, so and it doesn't get bigger because you know I have to be able to control it i have to put mm-hmm. in this little cage anyway so um the the fact that hammond wants to see all of them born um it, it like he's saying he wants to he wants them to imprint on him because that they imprint on the first creature that they see so i i I guess I, I don't know. I guess I just kind of wanted to mention it. I don't know if I really had anything to say about it other than he, it doesn't seem like he has much interaction with any of them outside of just that, that part, you know? So I thought it was kind of interesting that he would care so much, but I guess it makes sense that he would care so much because it is his money that he's putting into this, you know? Uh, But
1: I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I think it's just like this weird self-important aspect of his personality where he's like i'm like the papa to all of these dinosaurs and i think it could easily have delved into a uh, very corny territory for the dinosaurs to stop attacking when he was around because they imprinted on him and i'm glad that they never did that yeah because imprinting on him i think means way more to him than it does to them yeah and so I think it kind of fits in with his eccentric personality. Like he still has, like, like Ellie said, like, it's all an illusion. You, the illusion of being in control of this power is still an illusion. And I think it's like he, his brain is so veiled that he thinks them imprinting on him is some version of control when it's really not. And so it's kind of interesting. I, I liked that aspect because I thought it showed just how out of touch he was. Yeah, and I'm also really glad that it didn't go further than that with them like recognizing him or something, you know? Yeah, that would drive me nuts
0: that they would do that because even with like tigers and like lions that have been raised by humans when they're babies, um, they still have the instinct when they're older to attack because mm-hmm. it's part of their, what they are, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, well,
1: they're not domesticated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: But I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I thought that was interesting to kind of like to mention it, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think it's, it's interesting as well. And I (laughs) like that little hand that turns the eggs they're turning the eggs um I, I thought it was really weird that it took the eggshell out of dr grant's hands yeah. i was like how did it know that he was holding the eggshell was I there know. a scientist across the room like laughing like hey, 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 controlling <laughs> it or what how did it know it well, can't and see and this like
0: this thing is almost like is almost like, excuse me, don't do that. No, you don't yeah, touch that. Yeah. I'm going to put this down here and don't touch it again. Okay. Like <laughs> it, like, it has like a personality of its own, you know, yeah. like holding it. And, and the thing is like, I don't, I don't want you to touch it. This is mine. Yeah. Don't touch the eggs. Mine. This is... <laughs> no. uh, uh, uh. Yeah. So. so did you, did you notice that they said that they used ostrich eggs that were not I did notice that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay, I guess my unscientific mind is like, how, how does this I think work? that's
1: why that that's such a fleeting comment, because I think that if you dwell on it too long, it doesn't make sense. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: Like ostrich eggs, amphibian um, DNA, you know, to me, I'm like, there's a whole bunch of stuff in here that you're like, It's like you're making a soup and you're just throwing whatever you have in the fridge, even if it doesn't work for the soup. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Yeah.
1: And I think the science in the movie doesn't bother me because it's bombastic and they went through the trouble of making an explanation, even if the explanation is, like, iffy. I think that's why I, I I can just, like, accept it because they made the effort to provide enough explanation for me to be like sure the scientists figured out how to extract DNA from a mosquito and mix it with frog DNA and grow them in an ostrich egg and you know yeah yeah but I agree with you like I think that that that's why that comment is so fleeting because I they don't want you to like <laughs> dwell yeah, no because <laughs> no one says anything
0: about it like none
1: of the yeah. scientists are like an ostrich egg you say
0: mm-hmm. so how does this work <laughs> why don't you take me step by step Lou <laughs> what you do yeah. and how you create these dinosaurs because I really want to know. <laughs> yeah.
1: BD Wong, explain it to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I didn't get why they left the scaffolding and instead of going on the stairs, which it seemed like it was right next to it, they went on like yeah. the, the bones of the T-Rex. Like I was like, what? <laughs> I was like. I'm pretty sure you can reach this. St- it looked like they could reach the stairs from where they were.
1: Also, the like I could buy the, the cords that were holding up the T-Rex breaking, but the bolts were being pulled out of the ceiling. And I thought that seemed a little far-fetched because they were bolts. Like, yeah. what kind of bolts did they use? Plastic ones? Why would they <laughs> yeah. pull out of the ceiling? Like the string should just fray and break or something, you know?
0: Yeah, but I agree with you. Like I thought the same handle. thing. Why
1: would they bail out? At the yeah, T Rex, I, I don't know. Like,
0: and yeah. I never really noticed that part, but then when I was watching it this time, I was like, "The stairs are right there," <laughs> you know. Like, I was, yeah, to me, and I like kind of remembered thinking that they had went on the stairs, but then when I was actually watching it, I was like, "Oh, they don't." Interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of weird, and Tim like almost dies. But luckily, the rib cage lands around him. Poor Tim, yeah, he's the whipping Tim. boy in this movie.
0: <laughs> poor Tim is like. The car lands on him he's in the car when it falls he's so lucky he doesn't break any bones he gets electrocuted he died he, he died really dies yeah he like, comes back to life i like, do love his hair when he after he gets
1: electrocuted his hair is
0: ridiculous i know <laughs> i i love the relationship between dr grant and the kids it okay. is probably by far one of my favorite parts in the movie yeah um
1: I do enjoy yeah. it as well. It's very sweet and I, I like when they get into that little nest. It looks very cozy in the tree, you know, and, yeah, he says, and he's, he'll like, stay awake. With
0: them and, like yeah, and, and I love like when like one of the things something happens. I can't remember something happens, but like Lex um, like this and this is like before it all got traumatic and she like grabs his hand or something and she's like holding his hand he's trying to like get rid of her but she's like no we're holding hands now (laughs) she trips
1: she trips and falls and he helps her up and then she won't let go i love that little subtle moment i agree it's so cute and i like like, she's uh, so cute (laughs) when she's like she said i should ride with you it would be good for you (laughs) i was like okay kid (laughs)
0: I know I know I um, I I I just love the his I think his paradigm shift is probably one of the best paradigm shifts in the movie you know
1: yeah Uh, like I said Ellie took him there to convince him to have children
0: (laughs) pretty much yeah (laughs) um and I just I love how protective he is over them and then they're like they're like I I always kind of wondered If they had a relationship after this whole thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like him and the kids, you mean? Yeah. Because like, that's not something you, like to me personally, I think if I was a kid, I'd want to keep in contact with this person because I would have a deep emotional connection
1: with them because they saved my life multiple times. Also, it's in the beginning, they say like Hammond wanted to spend time with his daughter because she was getting a divorce. So the implication is these kids are sort of like caught in the middle
0: of their parents' relationship
1: breaking up. So he almost becomes like an interesting father figure to them, which, you know, obviously we don't learn anything about the sisters, like the mom, their mother's marriage or their mother and father's marriage. But I think the assumption is like, he's sort of like this stable force in the chaos for them, which is kind of sweet.
0: Yeah, well, and especially after Janeiro just like bails on them, and yeah, whenever every time he gets, every time I see him get eaten, I'm kind of like, should have bailed, (laughs) Jagass. Like, you know, I'm never like, I'm never like, oh, it's sad that he died. I'm like, maybe you wouldn't have died if you hadn't bailed, you (laughs) Jagas. I don't don't know.
1: I feel like I, I can't say that I wouldn't bail honestly, but I don't think I'd go in the bathroom. I think I would have run as far and as far far and fast away as it is oh my gosh i think i would have run as fast and far away as i could you know right i
0: wouldn't have bailed on the kids there's no way i would have ever bailed on on two children but um
1: i think i could have said i'm leaving come with me if you want and if they don't come (laughs) that's on them no i don't know i just can't say like in that situation i honestly don't know what i would do Well, and the good thing is that you will never have to deal
0: with a situation like that.
1: (laughs) So, oh man, yeah. So, would you recommend this movie? Oh,
0: like one million percent, (laughs) one million percent. Like it is, I think it is probably, probably one of the best films of our generation. It's it's so well done it won three oscars it got 41 another 41 wins and 27 nominations according to imdb so it's a highly successful film it has endured the test of time it's well told the characters are interesting they're likable it keeps you i mean it keeps you on edge the entire time and again i've seen this movie a dozen plus times and I am like even though I've seen it so many times last night I was enraptured like I was like I was like what's gonna happen next (laughs) you know so yeah I think it's I think it's an extraordinary film I think it's very well done and I think that if you haven't seen it you are seriously missing out what do you think
1: yeah I would 100% recommend it and I'm perplexed If anyone listening has not seen it, please send us a message and tell us why. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't, I don't, I can't fathom not having seen it and not having enjoyed it. Um, But I did read on the Wikipedia page that in 2018, it was selected for preservation in United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So it is... Yeah. I mean, and I can't, I mean, so what's the big deal? I can't think of a a movie that's more deserving of that. And I, and I'm, I would recommend it all day long. I think it's awesome uh, effects, an incredible score, amazing score, great storyline, very simple plot line that is also complex in ways that it should be. And just very fun. Like, just fun. Just enjoy it. Is, it. it. It's,
0: it's just, it's, yeah, yeah. and it, it will keep you on edge. And also, also, I want to tell you something that I read somewhere that the, because the animatronic T-Rex got wet, that they would put it in, like, a warehouse when they were done filming for the day. And sometimes, um, because of the moisture, it would, like, end up moving. Like, and oh weird and people that were working around it. Would I mean like so you're not expecting this thing to move because it's animatronic, right? But it would suddenly move and people it would like scare the shit out of people. They'd be like, "Oh my god, the T-Rex just <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, right? It's great. So it's I mean it's 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 like it's just such a great film and if mm. you're not if you haven't seen it I don't know what are you doing in your life go go on Amazon rent it four dollars it's not that big of a deal it will be totally worth it and I don't think I have ever met a single person that has
1: not liked this film you not know? me neither I yeah I can't think of anybody so yeah, yeah. It's, so, great. it's great it's great it's very good
0: it's awesome so anyway, you can follow us on Instagram if you are so inclined or Facebook if you are so inclined and we are at Watchers and Movies. Um, you can just look us up there and Movies at gmail.com if you would like to send us a message and tell us why you love Jurassic Park so much or tell us why you've never seen Jurassic Park and we will respond because we always do. Uh, or if you want to send us a message on Facebook or, or Instagram, you know, we we are there too. Um, we have a website that's watchersandmovies.weebly.com. And we are on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We are on Google Play. And we're on Stitcher. So check us out. And thanks so much to Mike for our theme music.
1: Yes, Mike Myers. You can find him on Twitter at the Mike Show 42 Thank you, Mike. Mm-hmm and if you would like us to review a movie please hop over to itunes give us five stars and write in the review which movie you would like us to do you don't have to write a long review you can just put the title if that's what you'd like but five stars with that will get your movie pushed to the top it will take priority and we will review it asap but if that's not something you want to do if you don't have access to itunes or for any other reasons you can always send us a suggestion through any of the sources that Lauren just mentioned, and we will add it to the list. It just won't take priority. Yep. But Five star reviews, five star reviews help us get our name out there. And so it it's mutually beneficial if you would it like is. us to review a movie, yes. and we will happily do it.
0: Yes, yes, we will. Yes, we will. Yeah, so anyway, I think that we're done, right? We're all set. So... Bye.